Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. Welcome back to the Hemp Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Gomez, and we are telling yet another incredible story from an entrepreneur um, who has truly done some pretty unique things in this space. As you know, it is our mission here to empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions about how you want to care for yourself, the people that you love, conditions that you may be suffering from, or otherwise care for this incredible gift of life that we get to enjoy. If you're someone looking for products, that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com. And if you're a budding entrepreneur or an established business owner looking for those unique tips and tricks, resources, or relationships that can move the needle and help you break through the glass ceilings and brick walls of this industry, go ahead and check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. We are happy to help. Our guest today... Guys, we are diving into the science of this whole thing. Our guest, Dr. Alexei Peshkovsky, is the co-founder, president, and chief scientific officer of industrial uh, sonomechanics. He is responsible for setting the strategic direction of the company and overseeing instrumentation and applications development. Dr. Peshkovsky received his BA in chemistry from the University of Pennsylvania and PhD in physical chemistry from Columbia University. I mean... You guys, we are going to be getting our socks rocked today with some science around here. His professional experience includes over 25 years as a researcher, entrepreneur, product developer, and scientific director, mainly focusing on instrumentation design and process development for the medical physics, pharmaceutical, and cannabis industries. Our guest is also the author of over 40 scientific papers, utility patents, conference presentations, and books. Put your hands together and help me welcome our good friend, Dr. Alexei Peshkovsky. Hi, Alexei. How are you? Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm super happy to have you on. Are you doing a lot of podcasts or media? Are like usually someone with your credentials is hiding behind the scenes, being the puppeteer rather than the puppet? <laughs> I try to be the puppeteer. I think I'm still the puppet. I'm, I'm doing more. Uh, well, I guess I'm doing my fair share. Uh, I like doing them though. Yeah, I mean, uh, you've published over 40 different presentations, papers, utility patents. I can't wait to dive into all of the different things that you have done. Before we do, before we get too deep, why don't you just take a moment and introduce yourself, share a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and how you ended up in the can of boom. Sure. So I'm originally uh, a chemist. I'm trained as a, as a chemist, and then I worked for about 15 years in magnetic resonance. Uh, mainly in MRI, magnetic resonance imaging, uh, designing MRI equipment for research hospitals and research centers that want to do things like functional MRI, where you can you know, do a simple task or a complicated task, and uh, we can see your brain <laughs> light up in some ways and wow. kind of what you're doing. I mean, it sounds a little bit more advanced than it actually is. It's, it's full of unresolved uh, issues and questions and, and whatnot, but, but it's a very cool field. But uh, then I um, had a little company uh, in that, which was very interesting, but it's a pretty small market because there are not so many research um, hospitals and universities that work in this kind of thing. So you quickly saturate the market. And so then I worked in explosive detection that was after 9-11 a little bit. Um, and after that, uh, I went into ultrasound technology because my father uh, was essentially all his life he was an ultrasound physicist 
he developed the concept of what we call the barbell horn, which, long story short, gives you the ability to take a small-scale lab uh, experiment of some sort, any type of research and development that you might be doing with ultrasound, and we can talk about what ultrasound could be used for. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, the problem in the field has always been that you could do all these wonderful things on lab scale and publish papers about it, but as soon as you scale up, you would lose the intensity of ultrasound, and therefore the results would not be the same. So it was always believed to be uh, a basically a non-scalable technique. Um, and with the barbell horn technology, as we call it, uh, there is a way to uh, scale up without changing the results. Basically, we've made this technology scalable. Well, my father kind of invented the, the concept for doing that. And uh, he convinced me to join him in, in, in creating this company. So we founded uh, the company together. Uh, but uh, I'm trained as a chemist, so, but, but also work in, in electrical engineering and instrumentation development. So we could understand each other well enough. He was um, uh, a hardware uh, guy, and I was kind of the interface between hardware and applications. And the applications pretty quickly became mainly in nano things. So ultrasound is good for many different things. Uh, and we're not talking about the detection ultrasound, not the medical ultrasound that lets you see inside your body or see, you know, uh, babies and, and you know things like that. Uh, but it's ultrasound that's used in industry to do something, to, to process, to change a material, right? So one of the most interesting changes was making nanoparticles, and that's useful in, in a variety of industries. Uh, most importantly, in the pharmaceutical industry, because it turns out that uh, through nanoparticles, you can improve drug delivery. So uh, as more of a chemist, I um, was at the interface between the hardware and the applications. And so we started developing the technology, not in general, but with this particular uh, area of application in mind. And pretty quickly, the, the focus became the pharmaceutical industry, because they have a pretty acute need to develop uh, uh, methods to to deliver drugs uh, into the bloodstream. And it's challenging because drugs, most bioactive substances, uh, are non-water compatible. They don't dissolve in water. They're hydrophobic. And it's challenging to deliver them into a predominantly water-based human body in the bloodstream, which is more water than anything else, right? Uh, so it turns out that when you make them into nano droplets suspended in water, they behave as if they were water soluble. So if you take an oil that uh, doesn't want to be absorbed by the body very efficiently and you make nano uh, nanoparticle suspension out of that oil, it starts to behave more like, let's say, alcohol, like an alcoholic beverage, which is water soluble and so it acts quickly, unlike all these oily preparations. And then um, we worked with the pharma industry for over 10 years, I would say. Uh, it took a while to develop this properly and to uh, create the formulations to accompany the, the technology. Uh, and then this cannabis industry just exploded with the same desire to, de to deliver a non water compatible bioactive substance, which is CBD, THC, or whatever cannabinoids uh, you might want to deliver, into the bloodstream, right? And uh, luckily, we were already kind of done with developing the technology for it. So I guess we just got lucky and we were ready for it. And we very quickly started seeing more and more um, demand in this uh, area. Uh, and gradually started getting away from the general pharmaceutical applications and more into cannabis. And uh, now I would say it's 80, 85% of what we do. Um, I guess that's that's the story. So you developed this incredible technology that's now pretty much required by any brands if they want to be if they want to be having an advanced technology to deliver their products. Then I mean, uh, there's a lot of companies who. Um, 
are popping up every single day. Dozens and dozens of brands are coming up every day. Most are Me Too products. You know, they find a manufacturer that they're white labeling through and very few have a unique delivery system or, um, and even fewer have, um, you know, their desired results. I think the consumer is really still challenging to find brands that they can align with that will actually deliver the results that are promised. Um, I was speaking with another um, another friend of mine who is also a uh, chemical engineer and you know very very educated when it comes to nano micelle you know all of these different breakdowns of uh, on a molecular level of this plant um, and its matters and how to make it most effective delivery system for our human bodies and he was explaining that it was extremely difficult to um or he was saying that it's difficult to explain nanoparticles for the delivery system of CBD because um, it only takes such a small amount of oil or milligrams for the for it to give the desired result for the human body. You don't have to use really high milligrams like three, four, five thousand milligram, you know, um, tincture bottles. So I would love to hear you since you <laughs> since you're the creator. Uh, I would love to hear you try and explain. Um, you know, in Homer Simpson language, why nanoparticles are important to incorporate with, I think you did a really good job with the alcoholic beverage analogy. Um, but for the people who don't really understand what nanotech is or why it makes a CBD product or an oil-based product like cannabis or hemp more bioavailable for us, can you just explain in the first grade level language um, how and why this is important advancements for science and for the cannabis and hemp industry and our products. Um, I can try. <laughs> so um, to be fair, there, there, there are many different ways of delivering cannabis to the bloodstream. It doesn't have to be digestive. Um, obviously, everybody knows that you can smoke it. And then the bioavailability supposedly is higher, although it's questionable because you exhale and what you exhale contains a lot of stuff that you um, could have delivered into the bloodstream if you didn't have to exhale it. So uh, the bioavailability of that it depends on how you smoke it, but it's generally believed to be significantly higher than an edible, for example, right? Same for vaping, and that uh, seems to be uh, safer, although <laughs> sometimes if you use vitamin E, I guess. <laughs> uh. No, no, it's not so safe. But um, uh, edibles... Uh, are very attractive in that they are discreet and very convenient. You can just, you don't have to, you know, smoke anything or vape anything and you can just consume it uh, easily. But the issue is the bioavailability. So on the plus side, if you deliver things through your stomach and small intestine or digestively, on the plus side, you have the advantage of using the system that your body actually intends uh, to use when it brings substances into the bloodstream. The lungs could be tricked into delivering things into the bloodstream as well, as we all know, but they're, they're not really meant for that. They, they're meant for oxygen. They're not meant for other bioactives, right? If you can call oxygen a bioactive, I guess maybe you can't. Uh, so you can trick the lungs into doing this for you, but it's it's connected to all kinds of problems because there are no uh, safety mechanisms. And digestively, there are plenty of safety mechanisms that the body knows to use because when you eat things, there's a wide variety of things that you could eat and, and the body knows to deal with it properly, right? So that's on the plus side. On the minus side, since cannabis oils are not compatible with water, the bioavailability is low. So the question is, why nanotechnology, um, uh, why does nanotechnology improve the situation? So I guess in, a, in, in one phrase, you could say that um, consuming a beverage with a nanoparticle suspension of cannabis oils is similar to vaping through your small intestines. The mechanism is somewhat similar, although it uses your small intestines, so you get all the plus 
sides of the digestive delivery and the safety uh, control, but you get the enhanced bioavailability. Now, why? So uh, if you consume um, a plant oil, uh, olive oil, whatever uh, oil you might be consuming, or an animal fat, let's say you ate a piece of meat, right? So how does the fat uh, get absorbed? And we all know that it does get absorbed, right? Uh, what happens is it first it goes into your stomach. In the stomach, it does not get absorbed. Although I, I hear a lot um, uh, that uh, people saying that things get absorbed in your stomach better or worse. Uh, that's incorrect. It, it, uh, oils do not get absorbed in the stomach. Uh, they sit in the stomach and wait their turn to empty into the small intestine. Uh, then they empty into the small intestine. Uh, in the stomach, uh, they also get slightly emulsified, meaning you have this blob of oil, like a big drop or whatever, uh, some quantity of oil. It's all together. It's not distributed through the gastric fluid because it's not water compatible. Uh, but there are some um, uh, surface active molecules, phospholipids and, and things like that. So they make kind of like a very crude, milky type emulsion. It's, it's like very fatty milk, right? Uh, and that gets emptied into the small intestine where a lot more of those entities come and also enzymes come and they clip uh, the, the head of the triglyceride and triglyceride is uh, animal fats and oils, plant oils. They are basically like uh, a, a, a fork with three teeth. Uh, they have a head and three long chains of fatty acids hanging off of that. So um, uh, the enzymes clip the head off. That's glycerin. And that's just going to follow its own pathway. We're not interested in that anymore. Now you've created these three fatty acids, okay? They combine with some bile salts and phospholipids that are locally available and form into what's called mixed micelles. Now, mixed micelles are nanoparticles of approximately 20 nanometers, give or take, depending on what they contain inside, in size. And they are covered with naturally occurring surfactants. So there are nanoparticle suspensions that are water compatible. They're not technically water soluble. A solution is something else. But for all intents and purposes, they're compatible with water in the sense that they can travel through it and be homogeneously dispersed in it which is the only thing that you're actually looking for if you're maximizing delivery. So these tiny nanoparticles are dispersed in the gastric fluids, and because they can travel through water, they can get through uh, something called unstirred aqueous, unstirred water layer that follows the, the, the lining of your small intestine. They can get to the other side of that and get to the absorption to enterocyte cells that are actually responsible for absorbing things. That's all you want from them. You want them to shuttle the free fatty acids to the absorption sites. This is all before the bloodstream, before anything. It's, it's, it's still inside your small intestine. Now, if you had any oils that are not digestible, and by digestible, I mean they are not triglycerides. You can't clip their, their head off and make free fatty acids out of them. If you have any other oils, whatever those might be, vitamins, for example, or cannabis oils, they will not naturally find their way inside um, to the inside of those mixed micelles. Now you've created something called swollen, uh, swollen micelles. They're slightly bigger, still nanoparticles of about the same size. They travel to where you want them to travel, which is the absorption sites, and then they can get absorbed. It's important to point out that before they get absorbed, they actually fall apart. So they, they don't go in uh, entirely. Then they go into the absorption uh, cell and then a couple of things can happen to them. They can go into the lymphatic system or they can go into the bloodstream and then liver. We can talk more about that if you like, uh, but, but this is uh, sort of beside the point right now. Now, the reason that an edible takes such a long time to uh, kick in, to start acting, is because it takes an hour for these entities to, to, to form to even begin to, to form in sufficient concentrations for them to get anywhere. 
Okay. That's why for an hour, you feel nothing for at least an hour. Right. After that, very all slowly, of a sudden you're all. <laughs> and it, right. And then slowly it starts to build. And then by then you probably think you didn't take enough and then you take another dose. And if it's <laughs> then now maybe you're feeling a little bit better, but then three hours later, both doses are going to hit you. And now you're orbiting, you know, Saturn. <laughs> um, so, um, that is the reason for such a slow onset time, for, for such a delayed onset, right? And because these processes are in competition with just natural progression through the small intestine and out, right? You're eliminating this stuff from your body as you are trying to absorb it. So if it's slow, that also means that it's going to basically just not be available anymore and, and, and be out of your system before you could take advantage of it. That's why an edible requires uh, such a high dose and takes such a long time. Uh, it's about 6% bioavailable, that's general consensus, uh, unless it's on a very full stomach, which actually helps because you can make more mixed micelles from, uh, from uh, fats that you call administer with cannabinoids. And people know in general that if you do it on a full stomach, it hits you harder. And that's because you have this transportation mechanism. Uh, and then it goes up to maybe 20% or so, but it's still pretty low. Now, the reason that nanoemulsions, and this is the punchline <laughs> to, this, to this story, right? The reason that nanoemulsions are fast and, and, and very efficient in delivering this is because nanoemulsion droplets are essentially mimicking mixed micelles. You don't have to make them. If you consume a beverage with properly prepared nanoemulsions with very small droplets, and by small, I mean preferably well below 50 nanometers, so around the size of mixed micelles, 30 nanometers is okay or so, right? That's what you would be forming from an edible very slowly. But you're consuming it already kind of pre-digested outside of your body, if you will. So... It's immediately bioavailable, it's very fast, and it's very complete because there is no elimination uh, competition, right? Yeah, yeah. In, no, that in makes... this sense, it's kind of like vaping through your small intestine because when you vape, you create small, tiny, suspended droplets in air that very efficiently go through your lungs into the bloodstream. This is very small droplets suspended in water that very efficiently go into your bloodstream or lymph, lymphatic fluid, through your small intestine. So for folks who are um, for folks who are listening in and for those of you especially who have brands and businesses and you've been looking at the traditional delivery systems, it's important to start to think about how we can gain fast, effective results through our products and breaking down the molecules so that they are in fact absorbable through the human bloodstream um, is something to definitely pay attention to because it's a known fact that big pharma and big business is on their way into this industry, especially as we're looking at global or region, um, how should I say, national legalization. Um, Alexi, I'm, I'm interested to hear from your perspective since you're working with both pharmaceutical and cannabis. Um, is there, you know, how soon or how serious, should I say, is Big Pharma about integrating, you know, into the, the cannabis and CBD space? And are you involved with trouble? You probably can't tell me, but I'm asking anyways. Are you involved with starting to create um, solutions or formulations that would allow them to bridge into our space? Sure. So um, I'll start, I guess, from the last question. It's uh, We're not specifically involved with pharma on this. There's no need for that, uh, there's no need to be specific. We we have the formulation that we offer. We call it nano stabilizer. It's the entire formulation that's necessary to make nanoparticles. All you have to use is your original raw material, um, isolate, extract, full spectrum oil, whatever you have, plus the ultrasonic system. And anybody can do it, including pharma. We don't discriminate who our customers are. Uh, but um, they are taking their time, and it may uh, have something to do with the legal situation. Uh, most likely it does. Uh, it also has probably to do with the fact that they 
have very, very strict control over what they do for good reasons. Um, it's hard for them to work with natural materials. They prefer to synthesize. Hence, you know, things like Marinol and, and synthetic THC that they, that they make because then they know exactly what they have and they can characterize it if it's one thing. It's very hard to characterize things that are not one thing, right? And you have to do a lot of that if you're a pharma company. So it's really hard for them to work with natural extracts. I would expect for them, if they are to enter, to start with probably isolates. Um, yeah. But um, I don't feel a lot of activity yet. It may be happening behind the scenes. And uh, people like pharma generally don't require us to provide formulations. We sell uh, ultrasonic equipment uh, outside of that. We, we sell it without the, the nanostabilizer uh, frequently. Sometimes it goes with, sometimes without. Some people have their own. Uh, some people don't. But pharma generally always have their own. So if they buy our equipment and they do sometimes, we don't always know why. It's possible that they're using it for that. It's possible they're using it for something else or for several things at once. Uh, if they bought uh, the formulation from us, then we would know. But they don't because they don't have to, because they know how to do this very well. Yeah. <laughs> so we're kind of in the dark and we're not asking. And if we asked, they wouldn't tell us. And so I don't really know. <laughs> it's not a secret. I'm, I'm so nosy. I'd be like, yeah, what do you want this machine for? <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes we ask, but sometimes it's better not to ask. Yeah. Um, don't ask, don't we, tell policy. Yeah. And, and generally, there's no discussion with them. They just, get it and you know it's a purchasing person that just reaches out not to me to, to one of our people and, and so a transaction is done but generally there's not a lot of discussion so i don't really know about big pharma getting into it i know that small pharma is getting into it for sure yeah in, in getting formulations but small pharma is really no different than many uh you know regular pharma uh, regular cannabis guys you know it's it's uh, sophisticated pharma people are very uh, um, sophisticated cannabis uh, space people are very pharmaceutical company like, right? Because you know the word pharmaceutical company is is generally kind of like a negative word if you are a cannabis person, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, they're not all evil. <laughs> they're just yeah, no, I agree. They do, you know, uh, so. Uh, small pharma is in it, uh, and non-pharma people are definitely in it. Cannabis people and large pharma, I don't really know. I, I I would have to agree. I don't think that it has to be a negative thing. I think it's I think it's achieved a negative reputation, not because of what they do, more so because of what the doctors, um, you know, how the doctors are managing patients. I think that you know the doctors are going to pharmaceutical, you know, the painkiller industry, for instance, has a terrible reputation, um, and I think doctors are incentivized to go to pharmaceutical pain management before, you know, as a first. Um, it's like a first reaction to somebody saying I'm in pain. They just want to give them a quick fix, not thinking about the ripple effect of that. And so I think that that's where the you know, negative stigma comes from. I myself am a victim of that, where I felt abandoned by my my medical system, um, and certainly my doctors who were spending very little time with me, trying to understand me as a patient, and were just layering, you know, medicine after medicine after medicine, and it was creating a terrible chemical reaction for me, and no one would listen or help me understand my alternatives. Um, I love the work that you're doing. I think it's so super necessary. And I want to understand like what facets of the business are you most in, are you most intrigued by, or are you involved in right now? Um, are, how, how does a company engage with you? I guess does, does a cannabis or CBD company, or is it the manufacturer that comes to you to license or purchase the technology for your delivery systems? So at this point, we don't consider ourselves a specifically cannabis service company, although most of what we do is for cannabis, but we don't actually work with cannabis ourselves, not at this point at least. We provide the equipment and the formulations for people to do what, what they want to do. Uh, it turns out that a lot of that is cannabis. Yeah. 
but it doesn't have to be. And the equipment is the same. The formulations are also basically the same. The nanostabilizer can work for any type of cannabis extract, but it can also work for other things, for vitamins, for any uh, oil compatible and non-water compatible bioactive. It works the same way. And, and there are many customers that, that use it for that. So generally, uh, people contact us uh, through the website most of the time, or we have several um, um, mechanisms by which people can contact us. Mm-hmm. And uh, they make requests or, or they ask questions or they directly go for quotes. Um, and we provide what they ask for. And we consult them sometimes. Uh, sometimes we provide a, a full... Uh, complete turnkey solution. Sometimes we provide a part of it if they have another part. Uh, so I guess that's it's pretty multifaceted. Yeah. And simultaneously, we constantly do research and development, including uh, pharmacokinetic studies. Like right now, we're involved in, in uh, pharmacokinetic study uh, on CBD, uh, comparing nanoemulsions with alternative formulations and, and different uh, types of nanoemulsion delivery methods. Um, so we, we try to, um, uh, to stay ahead because, uh, once you develop a, a type of product or a service, uh, generally it's successful for a while and then you, you have to offer the next thing and the next thing. So, and, and also it's enjoyable. Yeah, I'm trained as a, as an academic scientist. I ended up doing business, but frankly, I, I feel much happier in the lab and, 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 you know, in the electronics lab and the chemical lab or, or biochemical lab, a lot happier than, you know, I am doing business and looking at the bank statements and things like that. So, so, uh, we enjoy R and D and we do a lot of it and it actually pays for itself pretty, pretty well. Um, so I guess that's the story. I love that. Um, what were some of the challenges when you started to um, when you started to serve the cannabis industry? Did you experience any challenges, or are you safe from them because you're serving you know more industries than just cannabis and hemp? Did um, are you safe from the challenges that are associated with the industry, or did you come up against some roadblocks or some things that you had to troubleshoot past in order to be involved here? If by challenges you mean banking problems and things like that, uh, we didn't see that because we don't touch cannabis. We yeah. sell our systems to anyone. If you happen to be a cannabis person, great. If you're not, great. And if you don't want to tell us, <laughs> maybe even better. <laughs> so um, we uh, we didn't see much of that. Uh, the challenge, I guess, switching from the pharmaceutical industry to the cannabis industry initially was that uh, we were used to people understanding how to formulate because those our customers were mainly pharma or f- similar to pharma, right? In the cannabis industry, people didn't know how to do that and didn't know why to do that. Uh, uh, so initially, we tried to explain how to do this. Then we started to provide some very basic formulations. And we, we have a, a pretty uh, large... Uh, blog uh, portal with still a lot of information on it uh, from the early days and we keep adding information to it but even that wasn't enough and then um, our main idea was to sell our equipment like we always do and the formulations were just something that people needed to know in order for them to want to buy our equipment Uh, but then eventually we figured out that we might as well just sell the formulations uh, everybody was very happy when we started doing that because they don't want to do it. They, they don't want to figure it out. They, they, they are good at what they do, which are other things. And uh, there's no need to force them to pick up these new skills if they don't want to do it or don't have time to do it, don't have the ability to do it. So um, there was a technological, I guess, or an R&D challenge, which was great because that's what we like. <laughs> that was how to take this fairly complex formulation, which uh, is a precise combination of many things. There's some carrier oils, there's some different uh, emulsifier uh, uh, entities, 
there's some preservers. There's a bunch of stuff that has to all happen correctly together for you to be able to make a nano emulsion with our equipment or pretty much with, you know, anytime you make a nano emulsion, it's going to be a complex formulation. So we uh, uh, made it all sort of in one. Uh, it, it took a little a while, I guess about a year, to develop a blend where all the components are already there and to the user it looks like one thing. It's like a creamy uh, creamy substance that you can just add your extract to and, and, and add some water and sonicate and, and you'll get the nanomolar. So to, to get that blend to be broad spectrum in the sense that it can handle many different types of extracts, you don't have to reformulate every time, and to, to make it convenient, uh, comfortable for people to use, and to develop all the, the SOPs for people to follow. So that took some doing. And I guess that was a, an interesting challenge that in the end resulted in a product that we're very happy providing. People are generally happy uh, getting. And so it's a challenge that turned into a very good opportunity. Uh, now we're on the other side of that. Uh, and uh, there are always more challenges. For example, the next one that is very interesting and that we're essentially done with developing is making solid nanoemulsions. A solid nanoemulsion is no different from a liquid nanoemulsion, and, uh, uh, except that instead of water, it's in something that is very compatible with water, let's say a type of sugar derivative. But it's solid at room temperature. So it's still translucent. Nanoemulsions, uh, uh, well-made nanoemulsions are translucent. They're, they're nearly transparent. And they become completely transparent when you add them to water. But in its concentrated form, a good nanoemulsion is translucent. You can see through it, right? So uh, we can now make that into a solid, which means you can make powder out of it. But you can also just leave it as a solid object, like a lozenger. And it acts even quicker because it turns out that if you consume a liquid nanoemulsion sublingually, which many people try to do as a tincture, not an alcohol-based tincture, but a water-based tincture, right? Then it appears maybe to the user that they keep it under their tongue, but the reality is such that saliva actually washes it down. So it becomes a regular digestive you know, uh, absorption and not really sublingual. But sublingual absorption has its benefits. But if you make a solid lozenger, it is under your tongue, right? So then you can benefit from nanoparticles absorb sublingually, uh, you can also make a powder that you can just put it to, into a beverage and it will disappear into it. There are many powders out there now, but if you put it into a, 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 uh, put it into water, it generally goes cloudy. It, it makes everything milky. Sometimes it precipitates down, sometimes it floats. So, so that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a powder that will reconstitute into a clear, um, a clear solution-like uh, a product, right? So that is, I guess, the newest thing that we're pretty much ready to launch. Uh, we might even start selling it directly. And then the next one that we've been very interested in developing and something always distracts us from doing it. And so we've, we've developed the concept over a year ago and it works on lab scale, but to make a, a turnkey solution from it is, is taking longer than 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 I I was you know expecting it to take. But um, uh, this is now again underway. Uh, it, it's extraction into water. So currently, uh, cannabis oils uh, are extracted into solvents. Solvents could be originally hydrocarbons or ethanol. Uh, CO2 and things like that, right? And that all works very well. But um, if you could extract into water, wouldn't that be nice, right? It's it's not flammable. It's safe. It's it's clean. It's green. It's it's cheap. It yeah, the it's it's available locally. Uh, you could go into a hemp farm and instead of drying the hemp, now you don't have to because it's, it's going to be in water anyway. So you could just extract it directly, and you don't have to take it to the extraction facility you can you know do it all locally and you don't have to worry about safety so that would be nice but it's generally believed not to be possible 
and I'm not talking about bubble patch. So you could break off trichomes into cold water. That's different. That's not extraction. That's hash. That, that's making a trichome um, uh, sort of, um, uh, it's making hash that you can extract from later. But I'm talking about actual oil extraction, right? It's generally not believed to be possible because oils don't dissolve water, um, in water, right? But the whole point of what we do is make oils behave as if they were soluble in water, right? So with our technology, we can therefore extract into water. Uh, there's some challenges, significant challenges associated with that. It's science. So, it can't be easy. Yeah, but it's been already worked out on lab scale, so we're able to do it in very small quantities. So now it's just a question of scaling it up. But that's exactly what our technology is good for, scaling things up. So I expect that to be the next big thing that we that will launch hopefully in the new year, 2020. <laughs> there's a lot of buzz around water extraction right now. I think that there's, you know, people all over the place who are just through trial and error trying to innovate yeah. the way that they're doing things. It's it's very, very exciting. I would just returned from MJ BizCon in Las Vegas. Um and as well as the Emerald Cup, which are two pretty contrasting um, representatives of where the industry is at. The Emerald Cup is very much a representative of the old world cannabis um, industry that we knew pre-legalization. And MJ BizCon is certainly a uh, landscape of the future of the industry. Lots of science and technology that are represented there. Lots of things to be really excited about. Some things to be leery of. Um, definitely the who's who of what to, you know, who to watch for as far as who's growing um, and expanding there. So that's really super exciting. I would love to hear from you knowing what you know now and, and having done the things that you have done and, and watching what you have watched. What would be some key pieces of advice? Because I think there's a lot of folks who are still standing on the perimeter trying to figure out how they integrate themselves, their skill sets, perhaps their businesses into this space. And I'd love to hear from you in this segment I call words of wisdom. What would be some key pieces of advice, knowing what you know now that you could offer folks who were considering getting into this space? Um, and and the advice is meant to support them in um, you know accelerating their success here. I guess I would have to come into this from the scientific perspective. Um, I guess that that would be my 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 role in this. Um, so currently, uh, there are not too many regulations in the cannabis space, but that is going to change, and I think everybody understands that it's going to change. And I think it's good to be uh, proactively compliant, even if you don't yet really have to be. It's good, I think, for those who are starting, if they're planning on surviving in this space for longer than it takes for all these regulations to kick in, which I'm thinking probably within the next year, or progressively more so, right? So in order to survive after they kick in, uh, businesses will need to be compliant. And in order to be compliant, they need to be able to analyze what they're doing, analyze what they have uh, in the water compatible or water soluble as people call it uh, space it's a very typical thing to not know how to uh, analyze your product uh, and not really worry about it which creates significant problems in the THC space because then your product just doesn't perform but it it's largely under the radar in the CBD space because you can't feel it. So you don't really know that your stuff is not what is on the label. You could have a certain amount indicated on the label, but because the nanomulsions separated, got stuck to the walls, sunk to the bottom, floated to the top, who knows what happened to it, oxidized, is not there unless you analyze it. The user won't know, and you might be able to establish your business and get going. And then the regulations come and start checking on what you have, and you might have to go out of business at that point, right? So I would say that sufficient education, you know, self-education that allows one to be compliant with what is likely to come as far as regulations go is 
extremely important. And it's good to start now because it takes a while to figure it out and to, to get this right. And I think it takes about the same amount of time as it will take the agencies to start regulating. I so would have to agree. I would have to agree 100%. I can't I cannot emphasize enough the importance of future pacing, the compliance and overdoing what others are underdoing. Um so I'll just piggyback off of what you said for our words of wisdom today and and share that, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything and there for me there's not enough emphasis on the data that supports your decision making. I think a lot of us are are, are just working to survive. And there's a big difference between making decisions that allow you to survive versus making decisions that allow you to thrive in this landscape right now. And, you know, more, more often than not, we have to take responsibility ourselves for how we are empowering and educating ourselves with the, the information, whether that's through relationships or self-discovery, um, we really have to empower ourselves with the right information so that we can make educated decisions and how we are operating right now as a self-governing industry. Um, there is a lot of breadcrumbs on the trail right now, and they're easy to follow if you're willing to look. Um, I think just so many folks are, are chasing the dollar right Right now and trying to get past the immediate pain point that they're forgetting that these key intricacies are the things that make it possible for a brand to stay, um, to have that stickability. So um, I will certainly piggyback and say that that is excellent advice, um, as, whether you're on the science level or if you're you know, working direct to consumer from marketing, data governs everything and you can't invest, you can't invest enough time or resources of money and team into collecting, analyzing, and, um, and you know, leveraging your data to govern the way that you are making the decisions to grow and scale your company. Um, so those are our pieces of advice for you guys today. That was, I mean... I'm so excited to talk and connect with you because I don't think that we cover enough about the science and technology piece here. And I think that we use a lot of buzzwords and marketing that don't necessarily have a lot of meaning to the consumer who is looking for understanding on the how and the why these things are working. Um, what are, you know, Alexi, if there's folks that want to reach out to you and are interested in, you know, machinery or technology or formulations or whatever you have to offer, where can they reach out to get connected? The most straightforward thing to do is to go on our website. And the website is sonamechanics.com, S-O-N-O, and the word mechanics altogether.com. Uh, contact us. Um, page and there are different portals you could ask for a consultation you can request a quote you can get more information and whatnot and another uh more cannabis related although on our website we have some cannabis exposure but uh, there are many other things too but we also have a blog uh, portal which you can also find on the website it's on top it says blog it's i think it's blog.sonomechanics.com or something like that uh, but you can just get there uh, through sonomechanics.com. And we have lots of articles there, information on Canvas, on things that we've worked on and uh, general information. And uh, generally, you could read an article and then there's a way to ask questions and, and talk to us or uh, switch from there into the contact us page on, on our uh, website and contact us more directly with commercial requests. Uh, we love talking to people. We have lots of specialists here, uh, people who know what they're, you know, what they they're talking about and really love what they do. Uh, so, by all means, we'll 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 be happy to talk to anyone. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time and attention today. It was it, it was enlightening to speak with you. I really enjoy hearing the science of this. My my life was totally transformed by um, cannabis and hemp. And I was working with a holistic neurologist who had many products and research from Israel when he started to work with me. Um, I only got to work with him for about 
three months. And, but the regimen that he laid out for me eliminated my dependency on medications, really empowered me as an individual and using microdosing, strain, you know, specific strain selection, a combination of, um, you know, cannabinoid rich nutrients. And, um, you know, I'm super grateful that to this day, I'm able to feel and function almost completely normally, minus the crazy that you get when you're a mom. But other than that, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I have four kids. I know what you're talking about. I have four kids too, and it is <laughs> merciless. I'll tell you. Uh, so, um, so yeah, just very grateful for the science and technology that is infiltrating the industry right now, and how it's helping us to understand the potential of this incredible plant. For those of you guys who are tuning in, thanks so much for being a part of this community. When you like and share content like this, you are a part of helping us move the needle towards legalization, ensuring that those of you who want and need safe access actually have it. Um, it is our mission to empower you you know, with all of the information and resources that you need to make these educated decisions about how you care for yourself, the people that you love, conditions that you may be suffering from, or otherwise just take care of this beautiful gift of life that we get to enjoy. If you're someone looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results that you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com. And if you're a budding entrepreneur or an established brand looking to break through the glass ceilings and brick walls of this industry, check us out at the emeraldcircle.com. We are happy to help. Alexi, thank you again so much for your time and attention. Guys, I'm your hostess thank with the most, much. Sonia Gomez, and this is The Hemp Revolution. We'll see you on our next show, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.